Look with me in 1 Corinthians, the 6th chapter, 1 Corinthians 6. We've been on a, uh, a subject in a series now for some weeks that we're calling the temple of the Holy Spirit. The temple of the Holy Spirit. And we've been looking at how our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Everybody say that out loud. My body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now that's if you're a believer. That's not true for everybody. If you are a believer, if you're born again, if you're a Christian, that's true. In 2 Corinthians, the 6th chapter, chapter 6 and verse uh, 9, it says, Know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, keep going, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And you'll notice that a whole lot of that involves people doing wrong things with their body. And he's continuing to talk about that in this chapter. Keep going. And such were some of you. But you are washed. Just because you were something doesn't mean you are now. You can be saved. You can change. Even if you made mistakes after you got saved, you can be cleansed. You can be washed. He said you were. He's talking about the, the people in the church there at Corinth. He said some of you, that's what you were in this list I just named off. But you are. Somebody say, I am. I am. Washed. I am sanctified. I am justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Now keep reading. He goes on to talk about our bodies. He said, all things are lawful to me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I'll not be brought under the power of any. Now this phrase, all things are lawful for me, it appears twice right here. It appears another time, I think it's in chapter 10, and we can understand it as something that he is quoting that they said, and I think perhaps it's even something, they're twisting something he said. You know, just because you say something right doesn't mean people heard it right. And even if they heard it right, they can still twist it. I know I had somebody come up to me one time after I'd spoken, and they said, that's not right, that's not right, something I had said. I said, what? And they said something that they said I said. I said, I didn't say that. I've never said that. I don't believe it. They said, you most certainly did. I said right there, I heard you, you said that. I said, they taped this, you know. <laughs> that was back before the CDs and downloads as actual tape. I said, go get the tape and listen and find where I said that. He said, well, I will. I said, I'll be here all week. <laughs> well, they came in the next day after the service. And I said, well, 
They said, well, uh, uh, you didn't exactly say that, but that's what you meant. (laughs) Really? (laughs) See, people have selective hearing. And many times they hear what they want to hear regardless of what was said. Or they twist it around into something that... And so Paul did talk about not being under the law. He talked about grace. But they took it as everything's okay. All things are permissible, one translation said. Let me read this to you. All things are lawful. The Amplified, put that up for us, please. The Amplified says, everything is permissible, allowable for me. Is that good doctrine? Was there everything's okay for me to do? Well, see, they would reply, yeah, but we're not under the law. Don't, don't be legalistic with me. Don't put me under the law. I'm not under the law. So, so what's, what's your conclusion? Everything's okay. Because I'm under grace. Do you see why he needed to write them and talk to them? He said, not all things are helpful. Not everything's profitable and good. And then he quotes it again. Everything's lawful for me. He said, yeah, but I won't become a slave to anything. See, people talk about being free to do things. But if it's a wrong thing, First Peter says, whatever a man is overcome by, he's in bondage to So it's not free to sin, it's in bondage to sin. It's like bad habits. People say, well, I'm I'm free, you know, you can't tell me what to do. It's my body, I can do what I want to. Well, if you're a Christian, that is not true. Hmm? It is not your body to do with whatever you feel. He He says that here just a couple of verses later. But you find out when you got a bad habit, well, I can quit any time I want to. Well, show us. Right? Well, I don't want to right now. <laughs> exactly. Because you find out you're not just free to do it. You're a slave to it. You're a slave to it. Ah, oh, but God still delivers. Doesn't he? I don't care if you've got a chemical addiction, a heroin addiction, a meth addiction, whatever it might be. God's bigger. I said, God's bigger. He's bigger than chemical addictions or spending addiction or sex addiction or whatever it might be. Is God bigger or is he bigger? He's bigger. I'm telling you, he can absolutely set you free. Had somebody just recently was giving me their testimony. You may have heard me talk about that time uh, somebody wanted to quit smoking, but they'd been unable to. And I told them, you know, every time they lit up to say, I'm free. They said, yeah, but I'll be smoking. I said, you're already smoking. So I said, every time you open the pack, say, thank you, Lord, for setting me free. Every time you light up, say, thank you, Lord, for setting me free. In between drags, say, thank you, Lord, for setting me free. And after not too long, they put one out and they never had another. Didn't need it. They were free. See, again, difference between saying, I need to get free. That'll get you nowhere. I've got to get free. That'll get you nowhere. But Jesus is my deliverance. I am free. He has made me free. There's power in that. 
And so they told me that they had shared that with this acquaintance of theirs that was in the throes of terrible drug addiction. They did that with this strong drug addiction, and the same thing happened for them. They got free while they were using. Oh, somebody say, praise God. Well, truth is truth. The truth will make you free. And what difference is it to the Lord, whether it's nicotine or heroin? He's not limited. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, they're saying, the New Living Translation says it like this. You say, I'm allowed to do anything. But not everything's good for you. I'm allowed to do anything. He said, but I must not become a slave to anything. So keep reading there, just in the King James, in the 13th verse. This goes on to say meats. Now that's the word for foods. Foods for the belly and the belly for foods. But God will destroy both it and them. That's King James. God will render useless or do away with. There's coming a time when your digestion won't be like it is now. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. And he said, now the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. So when they're saying all things are permissible, allowable, they're talking about things like being gluttonous and drunk and having sex and affairs and what have you. That's what they're talking about. And he's tell, the Spirit of God is telling them, no, no. Because they're saying, well, that's what the body was made for. Eating. So pig out. And it was obviously made for sex. So have at it. Because all things are permissible. See, they thought, boy, we found a religion we've been looking for. <laughs> Do anything you want. It's fine. It's okay. No problem. And he said, well, yeah, we're not under legal obligations and the law. He said, but not everything is good for you. And you don't want to be under the bondage of anything. And we're not free to sin. Sin is bondage. And the wages of sin is death. And so he goes on to say, God has raised up the Lord. Talking about Jesus' body. And he will also raise us up, our body, by his own power. Is it true that what happened to Jesus' body at the end of the third day in the tomb is going to happen to my body? Man, that ought to make you happy. Is that true or not? And every loved one that has already passed on, is it true that what happened to Jesus' body is going to happen to that body and my body? And your body. What the Bible says. Keep going. Know you not. That your bodies are the members of Christ. This. Sometimes people talk about. Well I'm looking forward to getting my new body. Well that's truth in that. But actually it will be this body. Glorified. If it's not going to be this body. There's no reason to raise this body. Right. Just let it decompose and dematerialize because we're getting a different one. So why do you need to raise this one? Because <laughs> this body, put your hand on your hand or somewhere, say this body has been purchased by the blood of the Lamb. And it is a permanent part 
of the body of Christ. Now that's some truth. Is that right? And you want to start appreciating this body now. It's the only one you have. You lose this, you can't stay here on the earth. Your physical life is over. And so stop despising your body. Stop saying bad things over it. Stop mocking it and making jokes about it and making fun of it. You didn't make it. You didn't create it. You're not sustaining it. It's a gift. Somebody say, thank you, Lord, for my body. You enjoy living today? You're going to have some more days? This body has to work or you can't stay down here. You're done. And in order to run your whole race and finish your whole course and live a long time, this body has to work for a long time. And so you want to be thankful for it and you want to say the right things over it. Call it healed. Let the weak say, call it strong. Call it cleansed. If something's not working right, don't call my my bad elbow, my weak knee, my deaf ear. No, don't say that. Put your hand on it and say, be healed. Be quickened. Be strengthened. I call you strong. Recover. Be restored. Be renewed. Is it the will of God? Didn't he say he renews our youth? Is that right? Like the eagles? And with long life, he'll satisfy us and show us his salvation. But you need to cooperate with him. Say it out loud. My body body is a gift. gift. We gave three things here recently. The first one was be thankful for it. And the second one was talk right about it and to it. And the third one was treat it good. If a lot of people would just treat their body as good as they do their car, it would totally change. There's certain things you don't put in your gas tank. Is that right? Car won't run. It'll gum it up. Is that right? How many would go out to your brand new, you know, Ford, Chevy, Mercedes, whatever it is, and put chocolate pudding? In the oil filler cap. In your engine. You say, well, it's close to the same color. Why are you putting that in there? I like it. I like the smell of it. We love (laughs) Selah. (laughs) Keep reading. He said, don't you know that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I take the members of Christ and make them the members of an harlot? God forbid. What? Know you not that he which joined to the harlots one body? For two says he shall be one flesh. Does it make any difference what you do with your body? It does. That's what he's telling. They had developed this, everything's okay. And it's just the body and doesn't matter and God don't really care. This is just natural and physical. That's all wrong. It does matter. Keep going. Verse 17. He that's joined to the Lord is one spirit. Flee fornication. Every sin a man does is without his body. But he that commits fornication sins against his own body. Fornication is sex outside of marriage. 
outside of covenant. Keep going. Verse 19. What? He said. No you're not. Don't you know? He said. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Come on. Somebody say. My body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. He goes on to say. Which you have of God. And you are not your own. People say, it's my body. I can do what I want to. Well, are you a Christian? If you're not a Christian, sure, you do whatever you want to. But if you are a Christian, you are not your own. You've been bought with a price. Verse 20, you've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. And the phrase in your spirit's not in that most manuscripts. Which is God's. Say it out loud. I'm bought with a price. I am not my own. I am to glorify God in my body. And you know, the 10th chapter of this same book said, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Can I inject this heroin to the glory of God? No, you can't. Y'all with me? Can I cut my body to the glory of God? Can I kill myself, commit suicide to the glory? No, you can't. No, you can't. Well, it's my body. No, if you're a believer, it's not. It's not just your body. It's his. He bought it. He paid for it. He's got plans for it. Is that right? And so everything we do, we should ask him about it. For we just do something with our body. Now, what led up to this was the previous chapter. Go back to chapter 5. The fifth chapter, the first verse, this, what we were just talking about in chapter 6, came, flowed from this. He said, it's reported commonly that there's fornication among you. Now that's sex, outside of marriage, outside of covenant. And he said, such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentiles. He said, sinners don't do this. And that's that one should have his father's wife. Now, if you read 2 Corinthians, there's indications that these people are not sinners, unbelievers. These are people in the church, in the church at Corinth. And the indication is that the Father is in the church too, and still there and still alive. And so this man has, is either living with or has married his stepmother. And verse 2 says, you're puffed up, puffed up. We might say, you're proud of it. (laughs) Really? And have not rather mourned that he that had done this deed might be taken away from among you. Now, if you look at the, don't turn there, but the eighth chapter of this same book, he said, knowledge puffs up. So they thought they had knowledge that made it okay for this man and his stepmother to become a couple or even a married couple and to be a part of the church. Now we saw previously that Leviticus 18, there's a whole list of who you are not to have sex with. And it includes all your close relatives and your aunts and your uncles and and one verse talks about your stepmother. You are not to have relations with your stepmother. But what was their mantra? 
All things. Is that right? So, and they thought they, that was the case because of their superior revelation of grace. Now you hear this a lot. And you got to watch about your opinion, my opinion. Take everything back to the it is written. Because that's the only way you know it's right. And don't argue with people about what they believe and what I believe and our experiences are. Take everything back to it is written. If you don't have that, then don't be adamant about it. But... Uh, one thing you'll, you'll ask the question then, what if this man and his stepmother, it just happened? You know, they didn't mean for it. Y'all are quiet. Because <laughs> you, you can't help who you love. I mean, you love who you love. And it's your business who you love. Right? And and you'll hear people say, well, you know, God made me the way I am. And, uh, well, how far does that go? With what? I mean, you could say, I I am good at lying. (laughs) I mean, I can fool people that think they can't be fooled. So God made you a great liar? Or whatever it may be. (laughs) Y'all are too quiet now. (laughs) Go with me to Genesis, the first chapter. Genesis chapter 1. They'll put it on the screen for us. Genesis 1 and uh, 3. Well, there's some answers here, if you'll receive it. Not what I think, not what you think, it is written. God said, let there be light, and there was light. Verse 4, and God saw the light that it was good. God divided the light from the darkness. Skip to verse 10. God called the dry land earth and the gathering together of the waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Verse 12. Can you tell where I'm going with this? The earth brought forth grass, an herb yielding seed after its kind, the tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself after its kind. And God saw that it was good. Verse 17. God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. Keep going. To rule over the day and over the night and divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. Anybody appreciate the sunshine today? You know, I mean, it may be a little warm to suit you here and there, but or a little cool. But, you know, without the sun, we're done. No sun, we're done. So that's good. That's right. Gravity, good. Water, good. Air to breathe, good. (laughs) 21, verse 21. God created great whales 
Every living creature that moved, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, every winged fowl after his kind, and God saw that it was good. Verse 25, God made the beast of the earth, cattle after their kind, everything that creeps on the earth after his kind, and God saw that it was good. Keep going. And God said, let's make man in our image. Is God good? I said, is God good? Then when he made Adam and Eve, how did he make them? Good. He made them male and female. And he made them what? Good. And in verse 31, God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and morning were the sixth day, and he rested on the seventh. Because he had done a job of work. And a good job. Making good things. If God made it. It's good. If it's not good. God didn't make it that way. Now go with me if you would to Ezekiel the seventh chapter. Now we're talking about it. Don't, don't assume you know what I'm talking about. We're talking about a broad spectrum of things. And this is something that can be an anchor for us in discerning every day of our lives what's God and what's not God. Because the enemy is really tricky. Oh, he's sneaky. And he quotes scriptures. In Ezekiel 7, 29. Ecclesiastes, excuse me. Oh, what are y'all laughing at? (laughs) No, enjoy yourself. Ecclesiastes 7, 29. Thank you. He said, lo, this only have I found. God has made man upright. But did they stay that way? But they, not God, have sought out Many inventions. The New Century Version says, One thing I've learned, God made people good, but they have found all kinds of ways to be bad. The earth as we know it is not how God made it. The whole planet. The earthquakes, the hurricanes, the extreme heat, God didn't make it that way. Even the animals ripping each other apart in the wild. God didn't make them that way. They say, well, sure, it's how God made them. No, it's not. When everything's restored, the lion will eat grass. Will be a vegetarian. That's what the Bible says. And so the animals won't tear each other apart anymore. That's the result of man's sin and the fall, and the curse, and death, and the evil one, who is at work throughout the earth. 2 Corinthians 4.4 calls him the God of this world. So even the very planet that we're on, everything we see, God didn't make He made it, but he didn't make it cursed. He didn't make it full of death. He didn't make it full of human beings doing evil stuff. 
So if God made it. And it is the way he made it. It's good. Is that right? If it's not good. God didn't make it that way. No matter what anybody says. And so then what is good. Well we again we go back to the word. To see what is good. Now um, go with me to uh, 2 Samuel. The uh, 13th chapter. 2 Samuel 13, 1. Can a desire be wrong with a Christian? Can a Christian have a a desire they should not pursue? How do we define what's a good desire? What's not a a good desire? You'll find that ungodly people, people who are not even believers... They'll quote things like, God is love. Thus, all love is of God. And of course, the the Corinthians' favorite, all things (laughs) are permissible, lawful. Now, what people call love is not necessarily the love of God or necessarily anything to do with God. And the Lord actually quickened to me a number of years ago to change my vocabulary as far as um, saying what I love. Like for that I am not to say I love my car. Somebody didn't like that. I tell you this much, it will never love you back. No matter how much you try to fellowship with it. In the garage or driveway or how tenderly you wax it and rub it. It is steel and plastic and rubber. And one of these days it's going to melt with fervent heat. So don't get too attached. And you shouldn't say, I, I love my house. I love, that's too strong a word. And you shouldn't say, I love pizza. <laughs> no, you love God and you love people. Is that right? You can enjoy other things, but love is too strong a word. For these things. You, you can enjoy it. You can appreciate it. But love should be reserved for God and people. Because these things last. Now, in 2 Samuel 13, 1, it said, It came to pass that Absalom, the son of David, had a fair sister whose name was Tamar. And Amnon, the son of David, what? Loved her. Now, you'll find if you read other scriptures, let's see, 2 Samuel 3, 2, don't go there, but it tells us that Absalom had a different mother from Amnon. So Tamar was Amnon's half-sister. Still, there's an entire verse in Leviticus 18 
Just like about not being involved with your stepmother. You're told not to be involved with your half-sister. or Just not, not supposed to. So that's wrong. But what if you're in love? Now y'all are laughing, but how many times have relationships been pulled apart? Is that right? People, you know, I know people who have left the ministry. Because they said they love somebody other than their spouse and their family. And, and they, they quit the ministry and they left their family. I, I know of probably 20 different couples like that over the years. Why? Because of love. And you can't help who you love. Is that a scripture? Have you ever read that scripture? You just can't help who you love. That's first imaginations. <laughs> So Amnon loved Tamar. Verse 2. And Amnon was so vexed. Because that's what love will do to you. God is love. Right? And so love will vex you. This is the same kind of word used. In the gospel accounts, when it said Jesus healed people who were vexed of unclean spirits. Vexed. Oh, here's a great truth, church. Are y'all awake? Here's a great truth. If it's vexing you, it ain't God. It's not God. Yeah, but I... They're my everything. That's what Edmund thought. Is that right? He can't live without tomorrow. He loved her so much that it made him sick. Because you know, God is love. Love will make you sick. No. God is love. Love will heal you. Is that right? Love don't make you sick. He was sick and vexed for his love for Tamar. And she was a virgin and he thought it was hard for him to do anything to her. That sound like love to you? This is obsession. This is longing and desire. And people call it love. If there's any love in it, it's a human love that's got nothing to do with God. Now keep reading. Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab. He was a very subtle man. Why use that word? That's the same word used about the devil. Right? That the devil's subtle. If you want to do something that's wrong, the devil will help you figure out a way to do it. There's even devilish wisdom James talks about. 
Wisdom, but didn't come from God. Verse 4. He said, why are you being the king's son? Lean from day to day. What's wrong with you? Won't you tell me? Amnon said, I love Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. I just love her so much. Verse 5. Jonadab said, here's what you do. Lay down on the bed. Make yourself sick. When your father comes to see you, say, would you let my sister Tamar come, please, and give me some food and cook it where I can see it and and feed me. I think it'd make me feel better. Verse 6. Now guys listen. When it comes to your children. Your children. Your grandchildren. If something bothers you. You don't have to know a reason why. In your head. If you have a check about them. Sleeping over somewhere. Being around somebody. We have a rule, hard and fast rule here at the church. We got some of the best people, wonderful people in children's you will ever meet. But there's a hard and fast rule for everybody, no exceptions. No one is ever alone with a child. No exceptions. Ever for anyone. Are y'all with me? It's good for everybody. Good for the workers. Is that right? Good for the children. Good for the parents. Good for everybody. And people are too trusting of people they don't know. They think that's part of being a Christian. No, being a Christian doesn't mean you trust everybody. That's being a fool. No, you don't trust people you don't know. And if you have a check about something, you don't need to know anything else. No. Can't go to that party. What if they cry? They'll get over it. One of the ways the Lord protects us is by warnings. Warnings in our spirit. A check that you'll have. Don't go there. Don't do that. And many times you won't know why. You won't know why. Everything will look great and look fine, but there's just a whole lot you don't know. But the one who's inside you knows. Trust him. Trust him. Don't override what you get inside. Come on, somebody put your hand on your midsection. Say it out loud. Don't override what you get inside. Say it again. Don't override what you get inside. One more time, don't override what you get inside. I reckon David overrode that with this deal. He's a spiritual man. He's not born again, but the Spirit of God would come on him and the anointing would come on him. Cause him to see things and know things. You know God didn't just leave him hanging this time. But it's his kids. It's just his sister. Right? right? right. Something bugs you, but your head gets involved. Yeah. Oh, no, that's not going to be a deal, you know. He's sick. If it'll like make him feel better. No, no, no. Verse 7. David sent home to Tamar and said, Go to your brother Amnon's house and dress him meat or cook him some food. So Tamar went to her brother Amnon's house and he's laid down. and She took the flour and kneaded it and made cakes in his sight and baked the cakes. 
She took the pan, poured them out before him, but he wouldn't eat. Amnon said, have everybody, all the men leave the room and the place. How many understand? It's time for tomorrow to go. Shouldn't even have been there. Is that right? Now it's time to run. But see, you had, oh, it's just my brother. It's, it's just. And they went out, every man from him. So they're there by themselves. Amnon said to Damar, bring the food into the bedroom here. I want to eat it from your hand. Why? Tamar took the cakes. She brought them to the chamber, the bedroom, to Amnon, her brother. When she had brought them to him, he grabbed her. He grabbed hold of her. And he said, come lie with me, my sister. Have sex with me. She said, no, my brother, do not force me. No such thing ought to be done in Israel. Don't do this folly. Keep going. Where will I go? Where will my shame go? And as for you, you'll be like one of the fools in Israel. I pray you speak to the king. He'll not withhold me from you. She said, at least try to go through the right channel. How be it? He would not hearken to her. Being stronger than her, he forced her. Lay with her. He raped her. Because he loved her. Now why am I saying this? Because people say you can't help who you love. Are there desires that are wrong? No matter how strong they are. No matter how real they are. Can a child of God have wrong desires? Your body and my body that's been bought with a price. It has not been changed yet. It's still in a fallen condition, still mortal. And even though the inner man has been born again, and the love of God's been shed abroad in your heart, your body will still want to do the same things it wanted to do before you got saved. Your body. And that's why Galatians talks about the flesh lusts against the spirit. There's this pull, there's this tug. And so do you have to, like like Paul said, he said, I keep under my body. I bring it into subjection. Lest by any means, after I'd preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. Paul has said, if I don't control my body, I could wind up disqualified from the ministry, wind up on the spiritual junk heap. If Paul, if that was true with him, isn't it true with everybody else? Are there desires that we should put down? We should deny. We should starve. Is that right? And make up our mind. No. I cannot be involved with my sister. Should demand at Corinth. I cannot be involved with my stepmother. Didn't make any difference how much I think I'm attracted to her. Or what kind of desires. Or how much I love her. Now notice what happened with Amnon's love. That was so great, he didn't think he could live. That made him sick. He cared so much for her. Read the next verse. Soon as he had raped her, Amnon did what? Did what? See, he didn't even know her. He didn't even know her. You know, it's like what with the old uh, Beatles song, Hello, I Love You. Won't you tell me your name? You don't love somebody. People say, love at first sight. You can love what you see. 
you can long after and desire what you see, but how can you love them? You don't even know them. No. This is not the love of God. Amnon hated her exceedingly. So that the hatred wherewith he hated her was greater than the love wherewith he had loved her. Is that the love of God? The love of God never fails. Never comes to an end. So this is not the love of God. And you'll find human love can turn from obsession to hatred in a minute. In a minute, he hated her. Amnon said to her, arise, be gone. Did God make Amnon a rapist? Certainly not. Did God make that man that took his father's wife, did he make him an adulterer, a fornicator? No. 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 God made man good. He made the earth good. But man, with the devil's help, have sought out innumerable perversions. And what is sickening and perverse is you got people saying their evil stuff is of God. No more than the curse and death is of God is sin of God, or anything wrong. And if God ever said something was wrong, it's still wrong. Is that right? When did he change it? When did he update it? When did he ever say, okay, I know that, you know, centuries ago in Leviticus, I said you shouldn't be involved with your stepmother. But now is a new day. Hey, hey, Go for it. Is that right? Anything? No, no, no. God has not changed. If he said it was wrong, it was wrong then. It's wrong now. A thousand years from now, still be wrong. You can do it, but it won't make it right. You can do it, but don't say God made you do it. And you can even believe that you love that or love them more than anything in existence. But that kind of love turned to hate. Just like that. And if it is vexing you. Come on, did you hear that part? If it is vexing you. Listen to Second uh, Samuel 13 too. Amnon was so vexed. He fell sick for his sister Tamar. The Young's literal translation, and you'll find this is the, this same word translated vexed here, is translated distressed. Amnon had distress even to becoming sick because of his love. Not nothing to do with God. If he had been listening to God and loved God, he'd have known the commandment was you can't be involved with your sister. So if you just accept what God said and say, well, that's it. I can't think about that. I can't look at that. We've got to look somewhere else. Is that right? Because that is not an option for me. And if you'll do that, then whatever wrong desires you had, if you never feed them, they'll get weaker. 
And eventually they'll die. And if you'll trust God to show you what's right for you, he will. And it will far surpass anything wrong that you lusted after. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Lord, for being so good to us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, thank God. Well, there's so much more we could we could say about this and look at this, but uh, go to Galatians 5 and we'll, uh, we'll close with this. Galatians 5 and 16. Is this New Testament? Yep. 5.16, he said, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So is he acknowledging to the saints at the church of Galatia, born-again people, that their flesh has lusts. If not, you don't need to say this to them. If when they got born again, lust of the flesh just poof, went away. That'd be nice. (laughs) But it ain't reality. How do I not let the lust and desire of my flesh govern me, dominate me? I choose to walk by what's inside me. With the Spirit of God inside me. Are we still talking about being the temple of the Holy Spirit? Yeah, we are. Yeah, we are. Keep going. Verse 17. The flesh lusts. Our lust just simply means strong desire or longing. Is every desire of God? Certainly not. There are desires that are not of God, that are not of the Spirit. They are not of the Holy Spirit. They are of the unregenerated flesh. Desires of the flesh. Your flesh has them. My flesh has them. Why? Because the, my flesh, my body, has not been born again. It has not been recreated. The Bible said, the trumpet's going to sound, we're going to be changed. Yeah. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, this mortal is going to put on immortality. This corruptible is going to put on incorruption. But right now, it's mortal. Right now, the corruption's here. And the lust of the flesh is not the desires of God. These are contrary the one to the other. Nobody can say, God made me a murderer. Why? Because I wanted to kill him so bad. And I'm good at it. Didn't mean God made you that way. God made me an adulterer. Now, you know that don't sound right. But see, other people think other things that are related are are okay. God made me a liar. God made me a thief. No, he didn't. I said, no, he didn't. No, he didn't. That's a lust of the flesh that needs to be crucified. Is that right? And denied. And the spirit needs to be fed so it becomes stronger and stronger. And the lust of the flesh need to be starved so that they grow weaker and weaker. Keep reading. Keep reading this. He said, the flesh lusts or longs against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary the one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would do or wanted to do. 
Are there things that part of you would want to do that you must not do? There's a whole bunch of people don't know this now. They're, they're with the church at Corinth before the correction. All things. If I feel it, let's do it. <laughs> Just like the spirit can move you, the flesh can move you. Is that right? Now, when the spirit moves you, you don't have to move. Is that right? Uh-uh. You can quench the spirit. But when the flesh moves you, do you have to move? No. The flesh moves you. Would you look at your daddy's wife? Whoo! Now that's a woman. Now you're laughing, but what happened? What happened? Did the spirit move him to make a move on his daddy's wife? That was the flesh. He's a believer. She's a believer. His dad's a believer. They're all in the church here at Corinth. It wasn't the spirit moving him. It was the flesh moving him. Heard somebody saying years ago, they said, did you hear about that preacher over there, such and such or what? Said, you know, he ran off with the, the piano player and the building fund. And he's spirit filled. I said, not that day he wasn't. <laughs> right? Not that day. The spirit did not move him. Is that right? To leave his wife and run off with the piano player and, and steal the building fund. And if he said, God, God made me this way. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. He said, verse 18, but if you be led of the spirit, you're not under the law. Why? Because if you're led by the spirit, the same spirit that helped etch those words in the tablets of stone on the mountain. The same spirit that moved on the face of the deep when God said let there be light. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. If that spirit lives in you, he's not going to lead you to break the Ten Commandments. Or anything that God ever said was wrong. And if you said he did, you're lying about it. Is that right? It's the flesh moving you. Not the spirit. If you be led of the spirit, you are not under the law. Verse 24, they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. Are you Christ's? Do you belong to him? Can you control your body? Is it possible? Can you? Can you identify and acknowledge, no, now that's a wrong desire. Don't think about that. Don't look that way. Don't consider it anymore. It is written. So that's, that's done. We can't do that. Nothing to look at anymore. Give it no place. They that are Christ, they've crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If you live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. What does that mean? Motivated by the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Our body is the temple of that Holy Spirit. Not moved by the flesh, but moved by the Spirit. Can you say amen? Stand up, everybody. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.